Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we flip through frames and watch the formation of App Store Evolution. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, It was a good week for games this week, and uh, Father's Day was yesterday, so it's uh, it's been a good week. Yep, happy Father's Day to you <laughs> and anyone listening. And speaking of games, it's interesting that last week was E3, which is a big, heavy, like, console kind of thing. It's a the big, like, video game event of the year with Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo all having relatively big announcements. So major third-party developers are also there, like Ubisoft and Activision. And so that still leaves some little bit of room for mobile games and so my goal every year is to find any kind of mobile game presence that I possibly can and this year seemed to be the smallest yet so I was able to find one mobile game from Square Enix that was coming soon and then Atari had two mobile games that they showed me at GDC and they're still under embargo and then Ubisoft announced a mobile game, a South Park card collecting game, but they didn't actually have it at the show. They just announced the press release during E3. And then Nexon has a new dinosaur-themed MMORPG game called Durango that's coming soon. And that's about all that I could find mobile-based throughout (laughs) the entire two halls of the Los Angeles Convention Center. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing presence for mobile gaming. Uh, although then E3, E3 tends to be the bigger console show, though. So I, I'm not super surprised, but you at least expect some amount of mobile gaming just to even just be press releases put out for stuff coming because people are all interested in games at this point. But I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely very disappointing. Although I did think that South Park, I'm not I'm not an avid South Park watcher, but I thought that game looked pretty good. So that could be kind of fun when that comes. Uh, I think it was called South Park Phone Destroyer. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a lame appearance by mobile. Yeah, I wonder if it's more of a state of the industry kind of thing. Because at GDC, it's all a bunch of indie developers. But for E3, it's big companies, but if they don't view mobile as worthwhile even mentioning or showing you can't even have iPads set in the corner of your big, huge booth, then that's kind of bad outlook going forward for mobile games. Well, it is kind of telling. I, mobile games, I don't know. There definitely seems to be kind of a drop-off uh, in their their presence because even at PAX East I saw a lot more gearing towards like even mobile developers and we've seen the shift over the past couple of years they started shifting back to PC and trying to go because that's where the money is and mobile they're just it is tough to make money on mobile nowadays even unless you have like some super popular free-to-play app and then if you try to do a paid app, it is that much more difficult to even make money. So unless you want to go that free-to-play route and deal with all of the the baggage that that comes with, then uh, it's very tough to make mo- money on mobile. Yeah, and that was definitely present in E3. Ubisoft is a huge company. They have that South Park phone destroyer game that does look interesting if you're a card-collecting fan, but they had no version of it on the show floor, which... You'd think 
you could set up two iPads in a little tiny corner and it would be some type of <laughs> worth it. But nope. Well, especially with a name like South Park, you, you would get some audience of people to come, unless it's just not ready. But I thought it was coming fairly soon. Uh, but yeah, you would think even just with like a big name like South Park, they'd be able to get people over there to play it. But I don't know. I guess not. Yep. So that's E3 2017. And then I know Tokoboka has a new app this week that you've been like fully immersed yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, my girls have. It's it's a it's a little young for me, but it's called uh, Tokoboka uh, Toka Lab Plants, and this is kind of a follow up to the a game they released back in 2013 called Toka Lab Elements. And instead of that in that original game, what you were doing, you tried to discover basically the 118 elements of the periodic table and you kind of experimented with them, heating them up and doing various things with them to see how they reacted. And eventually you discovered all of them. In this game, Toka Lab Plants, you're trying to discover a total of 35 different plants. And what happens is you have like these, you'll have a, you start out with one plant. And then what you can do is you can go to these five different areas on the, in the screen where you're either seeing how they grow with light. And so you can kind of play with light and see if they need light or darkness to grow. You can then also check to see if they, how much water they need to thrive. And then you can also fool around their nutrition and see how they react to various nutrition and then you can then even crossbreed them with other types of plants so as you start to discover new plants you crossbreed them and then you see these new style of plants that show up and they're not your typical plants like these are kind of humorous and and funny looking plants and they have various like character and so it's the kids have a lot of fun. So my girls were sitting there and playing with it and just laughing at the, the various plants that they found. And then especially when you start to mix them up and you don't know what you're going to get. And all of a sudden some crazy new plant comes out. So they were giggling and just having a lot of fun kind of fooling around trying to discover all the different plant types. So it's a it's a fun little one. I definitely think if you are a fan of the first elements, I think you're going to have a blast with this one. Uh, and kids are just it's one of these. that's just fun for them to kind of just be curious and fool around with things and see what happens. And so they get to use their imagination. But you're also learning things at the same time, uh, kind of learning about different types of plants and how they react. So it's a fun kind of informative yet just entertaining app for kids do you actually care for the plants development or it's more like they're ready to go as soon as you put them together uh no there are times where you'll go and you'll kind of plant them in you'll plant like a seed in then you see what pops up so you don't have to, it's not like a long term you're trying to keep like a plant alive type of thing it's just just a fun little kind of experiment thing and you can also clone your plants so uh so if you have one that you really like and then you don't want to lose that one you clone it and then you would kind of then combine it with another type so you stick in this little machine that takes the two types of plants and then just merges them together to figure out what the next type of plant you might discover would be and as you discover them they have this big chart and then you'll see the the new one show up that you've now discovered and then you can see the kind of the shapes of all the other ones that are still left to discover and there's like 35 of them overall and my girls these type of games they tend to play them for just hours and hours they just love them so uh definitely recommend it and it's uh toka lab plants and that's 2.99 it's a universal app
Sounds good, and that means it's time for some new games, and we'll start off with Frame 2. So last week it was all about Monument Valley 2, which is the sequel to a really good puzzle adventure game, and that's essentially what Frame 2 is as well. If you didn't play the original, the game kind of gives you these like comic book panels that you can rearrange to create the path forward for the main character. There's a whole film noir art style with a black silhouette character design set about the backgrounds and it lets you really kind of appreciate the art style. They've taken it up a notch, really fleshed it out, and then they've enhanced the storyline so it's a longer game and it's more character driven to actually care about the character's progression but you still have that same style and it seems like they've enhanced it with a few more panels to rearrange it once. You can rotate the panels 360 degrees and it's more kind of order of operations more deluxe sequences where you might only have three panels but you might have to drag them around four different times to get it just the right order so the main character can go through the blue door then go to the second level to the red door then sneak through the vent to get down and finally release on the green door so you have that various kind of movement style just all through a simple touch-based interface Yes, yeah, so that one you were just talking about, that one took me a long <laughs> time to get right. But yeah, no, it's so the basically the premise of each one of these uh, kind of vignettes that they have is you are this thief and you're trying to escape uh, being caught by the, the by the police officers in the scene. So you have to constantly be wary of which way they're facing or what they're looking at. So you're not going to pop out a door that they're facing or pop out of a grate, which they might happen to be looking at. And then you're going to be captured and then you got to redo it all over again. B, you need to have the correct outcome, which is basically you escaping in order to move on to the next set of, of panels and basically continue the story along. The really neat thing about those new puzzles, so this one definitely seems a lot more challenging than the original was, and so the scenes where you have to reuse the single panels, it's not the same thing that happens in those panels every single time you use them. So you might go through the first time, and by going through, you wake up the guard. So now maybe he's looking in a direction in that panel he wasn't originally, or he, he was sound asleep, so you could just walk right by him. Now when you reuse that panel, you have to take into consideration exactly what new way he's facing. So now things are kind of always in flux and you have to see what you did. You have to like quickly react to whatever you caused to happen in that panel to then decide which panel am I going to quickly drag across the screen to put it after my current panel so that he walks into that panel next instead of whatever might be there already. So it's a lot of like quick thinking. You can hold onto a panel to kind of pause the action and think about it. But then you have to still try to quickly drag them as soon as you can in order to get them ready to line things up so you can move through. So it, it's definitely more challenging. I think there was one one level in the original one that had this kind of reuse thing, but never to this degree where it was this kind of tricky and challenging. Yeah, the only real downfall of the original is that it went by really quick. Part of the, that is that you're just so invested, you just want to keep playing through. But it still, it seemed like it was less than an hour of gameplay. And so this one, 
just so far seems to expand upon that. And then, like you said, they've really enhanced each puzzle. So maybe you're not progressing as quickly because it's going to take you a few retries to figure it out and see the proper orientation of the panels and then re-piece them together in those types of levels. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I I don't know if it's inherently a longer story or it just because of the challenge of the puzzles, it takes you longer to go through it. But either way, you definitely feel like you're getting your money's worth. I mean, it's it's an entertaining story. You want to see where it goes and you become invested. And once you start to watch certain segments over and over again, you're like, oh, finally, something clicks and you know exactly this is what I got to do. I got to do this, then this, then this. And then he's going to get out of there. So it's I, I am having a blast with this. one. I'm so glad to see another another uh, segment of this just because the first one was so innovative and new and it just went by way too fast and you wanted more. And now finally we get more of it several years later and I'm just happy to see it come back. Yep. They've done an excellent job. The animations of each panel vary and it just feels so good when you finally figure out the whole sequence and then get to watch how it goes together, how you might need to use a cat to distract a guard. And then that same cat could possibly distract a dog and then that could let the birds fly. So you want to distract a guard there and you get to see that whole sequence unfold just by finally piecing it together in the right order. Yep. And that's frame two. It's four ninety nine. It's universal. And then there's Forma.8 which I got to see this game at E3 2012. So five years later, almost to the date, (laughs) it's actually available for everyone to play. And when I got to see it, it was essentially just the artwork in place with a very simple kind of one level and the basic movement controls. So I don't know what exactly took five years, but the final result is a pretty deluxe action-adventure offering where you simply get to pilot this little orb with a left joystick on the left hand of the side of the screen, and you get to move through a Badland kind of inspired world where you have that colorful background with the black silhouetted foreground, and they change it up so it's more exploration. You're kind of just figuring your way forward. You get to see the map in the upper right corner, but it's really just going to show you exit points. So you're going to move down different corridors and pathways to just figure out and find anything that you can. And then they include various enemies and you can either drop bombs or you have this targeted kind of like burst power to knock them away. And you're going to use those, but it's not like there's enemies everywhere all the time. They come sparingly, as you would expect, in more of an adventure-style game. Right, yeah, they use that Metroidvania style where you're, it's all about more about exploration. So you're going to be going around these vast, like, caverns, and you're going to go off the screen now, a whole new screen of caverns will appear on, on uh, like, will kind of slide in, and you just kind of move around. You don't know exactly what you're even doing at first because they basically give you a cutscene which sets the scene that you're this little expert, this little orb kind of guy, and, like, you're trying to find the the rest of your your people that are stranded on this on this weird alien planet and so you're just kind of exploring around you don't know what's going on but then again the character doesn't know what's going on so it kind of really sets that mood as you're just kind of making your way around and seeing what you can find and then you come across these little things which at first you don't know are they friendly or not friendly and then they attack you and you see your life go down then you figure out well i can kind of 
explode them and then pick up health. And then eventually you start to discover new abilities. So you'll run these little pickups, which then give you that that little bomb ability or some other ability. And so you start to go through and you're learning as you go. So it's all about this exploration in this weird alien planet that you're going through and you're learning as the character's learning, which I, I thought was kind of cool. I, at first I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's kind of, uh, I'm a little confused and I wish I knew better what I was going through or like what I should be doing. But then the more I thought about it, if it kind of gets you in that mindset of the character, which is really nice because just the whole artwork is that beautiful vector art and it, and it makes for this eerie kind of caverns and it's just a really well put together experience. And I can just tell that I'm barely scratching the surface of this game because it has an open world setup and there's multiple different worlds to explore. So even as you're kind of figuring your way in the first world, you know it's going to amp up and build on top of itself. And that also includes boss battles. So you're going to have that big kind of idea to progress through. So you, this is the type of game where you just need to sit down and get ready for an, a long period of time. It's not a quick like five-minute game, see what I can do. You're going to have an invested time to see all that's included in Forma.8. Oh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I feel like I, I'm only like a little ways through. I, I have no idea how far. I've been playing for probably close to an hour and a half for more, and I feel like I, I'm still barely scratched the surface of what this can do and so like what will happen is you'll end up going into certain segments and then the camera will pan out and you'll see just how vast this world is and then that might show you that there's areas even up higher for you to kind of float up to and then you'll go down to another area and then you'll see all these various pathways forking pathways you can go through and you'll hit some dead ends and have to turn around but there's just so much to explore and go around and then you don't know where all of these little orbs you need to find are. So, yeah, you could just get lost in this thing and just play for a long period of time as you just kind of float through the world. And if you're more of a completionist, it, you can kind of get lost in, oh, I didn't explore down this corridor. I didn't go through this cavern. So you might backtrack and make sure that you see everything. So it's just kind of a perspective as you're going in. Yep, yep. And so that's Formidot 8, it's $3.99 and it's universal. And then there's Flipping Legend, it's the latest game published by Noodle Cake. I got to see it at GDC and now it's available for everyone. And it's that quick action, endless runner, but they've done it where it's completely different than anything on the App Store, even though it's in such a familiar genre. And so you either tap the left or right side of the screen to move your character forward, and your character only moves diagonally. So... It's like a three-lane chessboard, and you're either going to move, you know, to the upper, to the left diagonal corner or the right diagonal corner. You do have special moves. One of them includes a single backtrack space, and you can move from the left side of the screen off the screen and then come back in on the right side of the screen, and that can kind of change your way. They've set it up so the colors alternate, so it makes it easier to kind of figure out where you're going to hop to. And after a few plays, you kind of get into that rhythm of, hopping in those diagonal directions you want to avoid the spikes and then they have it where the screen doesn't move so you don't have to stay ahead of it instead you have a life bar that only is replenished as you defeat enemies so if you go through the path of kind of least resistance that health bar is going to 
deplete itself. So you want to aim for kind of where the enemies are. So you have to balance that consistently as you progress through an actual changing world. So, you know, you'll go through the forest level, then you'll reach a graveyard, and then you'll get into a caves. So you have a different kind of enemy style as well as obstacle style as you go. Right, yeah. As you go through those different worlds, the enemies change. So in the first one, they're pretty straightforward. Just they don't really move. They don't really attack. They just kind of sit there. But then as you go into like the graveyards, if you hit a gravestone, which sometimes you're going to have to because there's no way around them, it's either end up in spikes or hit the gravestone. If Then you got to move fast because otherwise the ghoul that comes out tries to chase after you. So now, now you have something chasing after you and you got to move and get ahead of it so that it disappears and then once you make it into the next one now they have these long range projectiles so you see little target symbols show up on the the space you know they're about to throw a big stone on that space so you don't want to be there when that stone hits so you got to be quick about moving then just to avoid certain squares and not hit get hit by the enemies but and then that's not even counting the fact that you have a whole selection of character types to choose from and each of them has like a unique set of abilities and just like special abilities and their own upgrade paths so there's a lot of variety in here just in what is seemingly just like an endless runner, but it seems more tactical than an endless runner because you don't always have that forward pressure. I mean, there is there because of that health bar, but you don't feel like there's that pressure. You can kind of think about what you're going to do. You don't want to spend too much time, but you can think about what you want to do and where to go next. So you're not going to have these stupid deaths where you accidentally jump into a pit because you made a dumb move because you can take it's only if you're rushing that you would do that because otherwise you can really take your time and think about what's my best next move where do i want to go next do i want to jump through the screen and get to the other side or do i want to just follow on the path or maybe i want to back up a square so then i can go on a different diagonal path that takes me across a bunch of enemies so i can ramp up a combo so there's all these little things to think about as you're going through, which you wouldn't normally have in an endless runner. Yeah, and that kind of what specializes it and makes it stand out. Because, like I said, there's a ton of games in this genre, but to do something different and actually make you want to replay is an achievement in its own right. And then just that feeling of when you pull it off and you're having that kind of quick back and forth on the diagonals, that's a great feeling. Yes, yeah, especially if because some of the characters, in order to unlock them, you need to have like a 50 combo. So you want to make sure you don't let that combo meter run down. So you want to try to line up, and you're always kind of scanning ahead to say, oh, what? how can I line up as many of these as I can get in a row? So that way you just kind of just nail it, just tap, 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 and just keep weaving your way through all of the obstacles but hitting as many of the enemies as you can yep and that's flipping legend it's free it's universal and then to round out the week is angry birds evolution which we've talked about all kinds of angry birds games and rovio's back at it this one changed it up subtly so now instead of slingshotting in that 2d landscape it's more of a 3d landscape and there's no buildings or anything the pigs are kind of just standing right at you and it becomes more of like a pachinko type of pinball idea where you pull back and launch your bird to smack 
and collide with the pigs and bounce all around. You have the familiar bird powers of the yellow bird speeding through, the blue bird splitting into three, the black bird creating a bomb effect. And now those are charged up each turn that you take. And then the pigs also are going to attack you, and that's charged up. So you can see this one, this pig has three turns till it attacks. This one only has one turn. So you might want to focus on the one that has one turn to get rid of it before it actually attacks you. And it builds upon that idea as you have the whole familiar Angry Birds level-based progression. Right. It's very similar to Flick Heroes, which we just talked about last week, and Smash Squad. It's that same kind of setup where you have your squad of birds. Here it's five different birds, or maybe you have less in some of the levels. But you are basically can choose any order you want to flick them, but you have to take into consideration their special abilities and maybe what they can do. There are a few things that kind of block your abilities to directly attack the pigs. So like maybe there's like a wall in your way or something. So you kind of have to try to bank shots sometimes and you have to play the the rebound so you sometimes it just kind of flick and then hope for the best other times you might try to actually line up a shot and see if you can get out like that next one that's going to attack you maybe only one of them is going to attack you on the next turn so you obviously want to try to take him out but it's that same familiar style it's just using the angry bird characters and they have this whole ornate method for getting these egg pieces which then light unlock additional bird types i think there was something like a hundred different bird types and so there's a lot of grinding that's going to go on in this game to get all the different characters but if you like that flick hero smash squad style of gameplay and want to play it with the angry bird characters then this is probably your a perfect game yeah, it's an accessible style. We've seen it before, but that doesn't take away from its accessibility or the actual popularity of Angry Birds and how it's going to appeal to different people. Right, yeah. The only the one aspect of the game that I thought was absolutely absurd is they have some $25 a month in-app purchase that's optional, of course, which gives you, like, it's like a... a, a subscribing service where now you get some extra perks or something. I don't know the person who would spend $300 a year on a mobile uh, Angry Birds game in subscription fees. That just seemed absolutely ridiculous to me, like the type of thing where they're going to go after kids with that or someone who really shouldn't be spending money. It just seems so ridiculous to even have that as an option, but I, I I don't know. It I I'm getting really sick of some of these in-app purchases, but I guess there it must appeal to somebody if they're going to put it in there. Yep. If you just love that Angry Birds, but no, I think you're right. <laughs> I can't imagine how many they're getting on that one. But it didn't even seem like it was that worth it. I don't even remember what it gave you, but it was pretty limited what it gave you. But I don't know, and this one you can also, I haven't tried it out yet, but supposedly you can also challenge other players in like a head-to-head competition, which might be kind of fun, uh, in like an online multiplayer. So you're basically, I think, I don't know exactly how it works, but somehow you can, two players can compete against one another. I think it's squad uh, versus squad. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, you launch into their squad and... They launch into and they squat. Okay, okay. I mean, that may be kind of cool, but then again, I don't know. Depending on how you've leveled up your birds, is this going to be a 
someone who's willing to pay and level up things is just going to dominate or I don't know how that, how that'll work, but yeah, we'll see. Though it seems like you can progress through the levels pretty readily without in-app purchases. That's not unlocking the characters, but actual playing the game. Yeah, no, I think you can go pretty far and then, but then I did notice that it kind of starts to be a little more challenging and then you almost have to level up your characters in order to get them powerful enough to really continue on. Yeah, because it shows that balance at the start of each level. Your squad is, you know, a thousand and the pigs are 1500. You're not probably going to win. Right, exactly. So they kind of force you to upgrade. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of grinding to do that kind of stuff. It's more, I think, if you want to unlock all of the the various bird types that you're going to spend a long time grinding or spending real money to unlock all that stuff. Yep. And so that's Angry Birds Evolution. It's free. It's universal. And I think that's everything for episode 23. Yep. That's all I got. Brett, thanks again for joining me. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure as always. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.